0: Listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Before I get to our next segment, I want to make sure to thank all of the people who came out to our Detroit Today Summer Book Club yesterday at the Ferndale Area District Library. We are talking this summer about the book Evicted by Matthew Desmond and talking about housing insecurity issues here in Southeast Michigan. Uh, About 80 people showed up last night for our book club session in Ferndale, where we talked a lot about housing insecurity in Ferndale and in Oakland County. We talked specifically about the impact that eviction has and housing insecurity has on children and families uh, and education. It was a really great uh, conversation. So thanks to everybody who came out to be part of that. Our next Detroit Today Book Club event is at the Gross Point War Memorial on August 21st at 6.30 p.m. You join us there. We're going to talk about affordable housing and segregation uh, in that community. Uh, also, keep in mind that we are building up to our grand finale event of the, of the book club. Uh, it will be August 28th at 6.30 p.m. at the main branch of the Detroit Public Library on Woodward right here in Midtown. So again, thanks to everyone who showed up last night. If you still want to participate in the book club, you can go to WDET.org to find out how, or you can go to Facebook and search for Detroit Today Summer Book Club. Uh, we are running an online discussion about these issues there. All right, now uh, i want to talk about Flint and the water crisis. Uh, when we think about the horrors of that water crisis, the thing that often comes to mind first is the idea that kids were poisoned by their drinking water. That is a phrase we hear a lot when we're talking about it. It's a phrase that I use. Uh, It's a phrase that uh, Anna Clark, who is an author and journalist, we had on to talk about her new book about the crisis called The Poison City. It's a phrase that she and I talked about when she was here. But some researchers and toxicologists now take issue with that description and say we need to be more careful about the way we talk about what happened In Flint. They say years long research shows that elevated lead levels never reached the point of, quote, poisoning for any children in Flint, and that the word itself, poisoning, comes with unintended consequences for an entire generation of kids. One of those researchers joins us now to explain his thinking about that. Dr. Hernan Gomez, Hernan Gomez, I'm sorry, is associate professor of emergency medicine at the University of Michigan and a doctor at Hurley Medical Center in Flint, specializing in medical toxicology and pediatrics. Uh, Dr. Gomez, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. It's a pleasure being here. Yeah. Let's let's start with uh, the study that you did of lead levels in Flint over the past three years and what you
1: found. I do feel we need to define the word poisoning first. Okay. Okay, and that's that uh, there's different kinds of poisoning. One can poison from poison ivy. We can all agree that we recover from being poisoned by poison ivy. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's also food poisoning, and there are uh, bacterial toxins that produce proteins that can actually cause poisoning. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, we recover from this. The problem is with uh, lead poisoning is that lead affects the growth in brain and actually can cause permanent changes in synapses, that is, connections between neurons, uh, uh, the ability for neurotransmitters to be excreted properly. These are not reversible. Mm -hmm. Some kinds of poisoning are reversible. Others are not reversible. So when we're talking about poisoning with lead, we're talking about permanent changes and decrease in IQ, permanent changes in behavior. This includes violent crime. And so uh, our researchers uh, in, in my last study and those I, I have uh, collaborated with, mm-hmm. uh, we feel that that it would be a disservice to call an entire generation of children permanently brain damaged, because that is what the word poison in this context is, is insinuating. Yeah. Uh,
0: and so talk about why you've reached that conclusion. It, it is about the lead levels that were reported uh, after we understood that the water uh, had uh, lead content in it. You're saying that they never reached that level where uh, kids were poisoned in the way that you're describing, correct? So
1: our... The statements we've made are rather nuanced, and that's what I think leads leads to confusion. Sure, sure. Nuance uh, in an interview uh, are not sound bites. <laughs> right. Nuance takes thinking and and and, and reflection. Uh, it's very easy to say children were poisoned, this and that, or that we're uh, denying that children were poisoned. This is not true at all. What well, we're simply uh, saying is how to place it in context mm-hmm. that uh, what has happened during the crisis There was an increase in lead. No child should be exposed to a toxin. There was an increase in blood lead levels. We we did measure it. It was Uh, 0.11 micrograms per deciliter. Mm -hmm. Uh, We also found, we studied all lead levels of some 15,817 children. And we found that if you go back to 2006, and I have a graphic, which we're on radio, (laughs) which I'm sure that our audience cannot see. But in 2006, the uh, lead level in children was 2.33. That is tw- twice what it was. Sure. So, uh, and we also find that during this 11-year period we studied that there were actually three increases in lead levels. And and yes, there was an increase in lead level uh, during the switch to uh, Flint River water. Mm-hmm. That's measurable of 0.11. We also find that between 2010 and 2011, there was also a statistically significant increase of 0.12, mm-hmm. slightly higher. And so do we call the children in 2010 poisoned? Well, we would say no. We would say that they should not have been exposed to lead at this time either. However, uh, to call them poisoned is doing a disservice. Mm. Uh,
0: uh, I want to read just a little bit uh, from uh, your description of this uh, to our producer, which I think summed it up uh, very well. Uh, you, you said... Uh, It was an infrastructure catastrophe, to say the least. What we're doing is very specific. We're looking at lead levels in children, and we can say accurately that there's no evidence that permanent brain damage has happened. It's different to say no children were exposed to lead. That would not be true. And that gets to the nuance that you're talking about. You aren't talking about what happened to cause the water supply in Flint to carry higher lead levels than it, it should have. What you're talking about is the effect of that lead Let's
1: be very clear here. It was a debacle. It should never have happened. Mm-hmm. It, uh, as you say, it was an infrastructure problem. Uh, it uh, increased yet even more distrust to state uh, and uh, local, perhaps even national authorities uh, there was distrust in Flint even prior to the uh, water switch. Sure. I mean, this has been really a historical feature in Flint for many mm-hmm. years. What we're trying to do is place things in context, and I will give you a simple example. Mm-hmm. Uh, if uh, you're old enough, uh, any audience members are old enough to remember the uh, Beatles song "Hey Jude," how does it please historical reference? Yes, if you can remember <laughs> that song "Hey Jude," mm-hmm. then your uh, lead level was approximately 15 micrograms per deciliter. Why? Because of unleaded gasoline. There's a good 15, lead in the gasoline, yeah. 15 micrograms per deciliter. Or if you're a little bit younger and your mother remembers, hey, Jude" from the Beatles, <laughs> then her lead level was between 15 and 17 micrograms per deciliter. This is the average U.S. citizen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we do know that the growing newborn child in utero has 90% of the lead level of the mother. So if we were to calculate back the effects of IQ, mm-hmm. the effects and the impact of IQ were far higher in the recent past than what has occurred during the, uh, during the infrastructure disaster. Yeah. It is not to excuse anyone of what has happened. What we are against doing is labeling or creating an intellectual prejudice against an entire generation of children, not just in terms of their intelligence, But in terms of a city which already has one of the highest per capita violent crime rates in the nation, Mm -hmm. to say that these children have yet even more tendency for violent crime is an extreme disservice.
0: Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today <clears> on <throat> 1019 WDET. I'm Steven Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. My guest is Dr. Hernan Gomez, an associate professor of emergency medicine at the University of Michigan and a doctor at Hurley Medical Center in Flint, specializing in medical toxicology and pediatrics. We are talking about the way we talk about what happened in Flint with the water crisis. Think of how often we say, uh, and I include myself in this description, that uh, the kids of Flint and the people of Flint were poisoned uh, when their water supply was switched and uh, lead more lead than should be in the water supply was there. Dr. Gomez says uh, we need to be more careful about the way we describe that because uh, the kids in Flint were not uh, reflecting lead levels along the lines of uh, what you would describe as an actual Poisoning doesn't mean they weren't exposed to lead, it means that the effect of that exposure doesn't amount to the medical definition of poisoning. What do you think about that? Uh, do you think we in the media need to be more careful when we talk about Flint and other medical emergencies, especially those that affect kids? Do you think poisoning is a fair or, or an unfair term to use when we talk about what happened? in Flint. As always, the numbers on the phones is 313577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. Or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. And we'll try to work you into the conversation. Colin, tell us how you describe what happened uh, in Flint and why. Jen on Twitter says, uh, while I understand their point, I'm afraid it's going to be used to mitigate the scope and effects of the Flint water crisis, which is by no means over. Uh, Krishna on, uh, on Facebook says, I get what he's saying, but what do the everyday people of Flint think? It's fine to say this as a researcher. But I doubt Flint families feel feel raising the lead levels in the water their kids drink is not poisoning. Again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number on the phones. Uh, Dr. Gomez, uh, tell us what your colleagues uh, think about what you're saying, and in particular, I'm curious about one one colleague uh, Mona Hanna Atisha uh, who's the doctor who really raised public awareness of what was going on in Flint we're going to talk with her next week she'll be here with us on the program but I'm but I'm curious you work at the same uh, facility that 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 she does uh what does she say about uh, your description of this
1: well uh, i can only go by the uh, well first of all let me say that uh, Mona H- uh, uh, Hanna Atisha Has really become after the outbreak a really a more a national figure, shall Mm -hmm. we say? Mm -hmm. And uh, Flint is a large institution. We do not work in the same area. I work in emergency medicine. We simply don't really cross paths. Sure, sure. Uh, When the water crisis broke out, she really became a national, if not an international figure, and a great deal of time spent traveling throughout the country. So. Not just myself saw less of her physically, but even even those within the pediatric <laughs> department. I mean, this is no criticism. Sure. It's, it's just that she became a national figure and uh, has been traveling throughout the country. Uh, so uh, I can tell you that uh, Monhana Tisha, um, if this is accurate, uh, there was re- a article in the Detroit News, mm-hmm. uh, which was uh, written by Karen Buford, who is a reporter for the uh, Detroit News, and uh, uh, she made uh, you know, a few statements that um, uh, that uh, perhaps m- may reflect uh, uh, how she feels about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, she uh, mentioned, uh, for example, that uh, she was concerned uh, that uh, the op- op-ed, which is an opinion— mm-hmm. This uh, is the piece
0: you wrote in the New the, York the Times. The piece that
1: was wrote in the New York Times, mm-hmm. that uh, the piece was somehow—the uh, commentary, if I may quote d- directly, actually, I'm, I'm reading from the actual editorial— sure. That Gomez's commentary following the release of, uh, of "The Poison City: Flint's Water and American Urban Tragedy" and it coincided with Lisa hanna Tich's book "What the Eyes Don't See" came in the midst of preliminary examinations of the Michigan Department of Human Health Services, et cetera, et cetera. That it is very a coincidence that it came up at a time with lots of investigations, and uh, she said of Gomez's assertions. And uh, uh, essentially uh, uh, suggesting that perhaps that we had time this specifically to uh, to interfere with this, mm-hmm. and just a couple of things. I think, <laughs> well, first of all, if anyone, and I think that Karen Buford, as a reporter, should understand this. It's not easy to get an op-ed in the New York Times. Sure, they they turn down ninety nine point nine percent of anything that's sent. Mm-hmm. Furthermore, to time it, you just you just can't do it as a citizen. I'm not. I'm not a national figure, uh, Doctor Monius, I am not. Uh, so uh, these kinds of words are, I, I think, a little bit. Uh, I, I should simply say it's unfortunate. So, so let yeah. me ask you this: mm-hmm. Do you
0: have other colleagues uh, there at Hurley uh, who have talked to you about what 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 you're saying and and offered their opinions? Uh,
1: by far, the uh, those at Hurley uh, agree with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say that uh, I gave a presentation, which uh, I I think has been reported as well, uh, of the research findings uh, to a medical staff meeting, that is the medical staff of Hurley Hospital. Mm -hmm. And the Hurley Hospital medical staff voted, in terms of the the definition of poisoning, and I'm going to repeat this, permanent brain damage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not poison ivy, poisoning, permanent brain damage. That this word should not be used casually. It was a unanimous unanimous vote uh, for that, uh, that in, in agreement uh, with me. Uh, I will tell you that the commentary within the New York Times op-ed piece were universally negative, as I expected from John Q. Public. And the phone calls I received likely may very well be negative. I'm, I'm pretty much expecting this year. Mm-hmm. In terms of emails I have received from fellow medical toxicologists experts in the field, they have actually thanked me for clarifying the issue. Mm-hmm that the problem is is that two years ago, this issue has left the scientific realm long ago and entered into the political sphere, uh, entered into uh, other stakeholders, and left science. So two and three years later, we publish a, uh, a scientific article, peer-reviewed. No one has actually criticized the actual science behind it. Uh, Bruce Lanthier is quoted in the same article by uh, Karen Buford as simply saying it was sort of an aerial viewpoint. And Mm -hmm. I agree with you. It is an aerial viewpoint looking at the entire forest rather Mm -hmm. than being in the trees is how I would put it. Mm -hmm. No one is arguing the science. But to enter pure science two or three years after the flint debacle occurred is awfully difficult when so much emotion is tied up into this.
0: Uh, again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number on the phones. Uh, not a surprise that we have got a lot of folks waiting to speak about uh, this issue. Let's go to Lynn in West Bloomfield. Lynn, welcome to Detroit Today.
1: Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. On a slightly different subject, mm-hmm. but still on the same realm of things. I work in a neonatal intensive care unit. And when a baby is born and has a parent, a mother, who has used drugs, we are not permitted to say that the child uses drugs. We just say the baby was drug-exposed in utero. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So at least it's not pointing the finger and condemning the child right away. He or she has a chance to get uh, drug-free. And... Go on with life and right. not have hopefully any problems.
0: And and I would imagine, Lynn, that, that part of the reason for that is the same uh, logic that Dr. Gomez is talking about here. Is it, it, number one, it's about nuance uh, right. and and being very precise in the way that you describe something, but also trying to avoid the sort of stigmatizing categorization of uh, of someone because of. Uh, a, medical, uh, a medical condition. Uh, Lynn, I really appreciate uh, you calling and adding that to our conversation. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Dr. If Gomez. I
1: may, I want to uh, thank Lynn for her well-thought-out uh, phone call. And uh, certainly, it, it is an issue for, uh, uh, in many communities for children in utero to be exposed to various types of drugs, mm-hmm. both methamphetamine, uh, heroin, and cocaine. And neonatologists do have to deal with withdrawal symptoms uh but um, uh, I, I appreciate your phone call and uh, no child should be exposed to cocaine in utero yeah. or a heroin or any of these things it's all about the children and I think that one thing that uh, Dr. Mona and uh, I and Karen Weaver and virtually everyone can agree with is we're all about the children. Mm-hmm. We want the children to get the best break. We want them not to have any intellectual prejudice. Yeah. And so in this fact, we all agree.
0: Yeah. Uh, let's go to Charlie in Detroit. Charlie, welcome to Detroit today. Yeah. One thing that occurred to me, thanks for taking my call, mm-hmm. is when I hear the word poison, it, it kind of connotes to me that there was intent. Mm-hmm. That someone intentionally did something to poison someone. I don't believe that was the case. I think it was an you know, financial decision switching from, you know, Detroit to the Point River. Um, Certainly there might have been people along the way that became aware the other way, and that's wrong and should be dealt with. But I don't know that using the word poison, like the doctor said, they technically aren't according to federal regs, but – Certainly, I also wonder: Are they going to be studied right. you know, going forward? Right. I well, I would imagine there will be a lot of effort to, to to figure out what the lingering effects of this are. Charlie, I appreciate that point. Uh, at the same time, Doctor Gomez, uh, this i this question of intent, uh, uh, I, I think is is quite separate from what you're saying. Uh, you're talking about the effect, um, and I think that's a, that's a, an important. Distinction. Uh, we can talk all day about what the intent was or was not here, whether it was carelessness or not, uh, or something more more nefarious. But that I, I feel like what you're saying is something a little bit different. But Charlie, I appreciate the call and the and the comments. Uh, let's go to Lonnie in Detroit. Lonnie, welcome to Detroit today.
1: Hi. Uh-huh. Yeah. What I'd like to say is that I think the doctor is. Uh And his report is missing the point. Mm -hmm. And uh, the analogy I give is that if you were to take a spoonful of antifreeze and put it into my coffee, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter that that spoonful was not sufficient to cause my death or even to cause me to go to the hospital.
0: Right. I still poisoned your coffee, right?
1: (laughs) You poisoned my coffee. You put poison in it. And the fact that I survived it or maybe even didn't even know that it was in there doesn't change the action that happened, mm-hmm. and I think that's where we where we part ways. And that the the, the effect or, or the the outcome is one thing, right? But the but the
0: action is is quite different. It's
1: yeah. the act of poisoning? Yeah, Lonnie, it's,
0: I I really appreciate your calling and making that point, Doctor Gomez. Uh, that's sort of where I come down on this uh, on this issue too. If I were to do something like uh, like that, poison somebody's food supply, it doesn't really matter what the effect of it was from a from a, 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 an overall standpoint. It, it, I did that, and that's what uh, that's how you would describe what I did. How do you how do you answer that?
1: Well, uh, two two things. One is that I did want to briefly comment in a previous uh, caller. Uh, uh, this is intent. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lonnie brings in intent. There's an intent to place an anaphase in his analogy. Uh, So we did not study intent. However, um, I don't think anyone intentionally wanted to poison Flint children. But even if I
0: accidentally dropped uh, poison into someone's coffee, uh, I I still have poisoned their coffee. uh, And whether they die or get sick from that poison is a separate separate question. So this is
1: one we have to go into unfortunately nuanced uh, and that always places me in a, in a tougher position than someone who wants to paint things in a very stark black and white terms. So the issue we have with lead, as I uh, explained earlier, I'll be happy to repeat and I'll be repeating many times I suspect, when you're poisoned by lead, this is permanent brain damage. When sure. you're poisoned by antifreeze, there are treatments for this, there are antidotes for this. It can be removed. Uh, once you have a uh, 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 antifreeze poisoning—you re- make a hundred percent recovery mm-hmm. from this. Mm-hmm. So saying that you're poisoned by antifreeze is not the stigmatization of a generation. Even if you had a, g- a bunch of kids who, uh, let's say, a, a whole school got antifreeze into their food supply, or their water supply. When we're talking about lead, it is permanent decrease in IQ, permanent increase in violent and criminal behavior. This is not reversible. Antifreeze is reversible.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Okay, Dr. Aaron Gomez, Associate Professor of Emergency Medicine at the University of Michigan and a doctor at Hurley Medical Center in Flint, specializing in medical toxicology and pediatrics. Thanks very much for being here with us on Detroit Today. It was
1: a great pleasure talking both to you and both by the concerned citizenry of both Detroit uh, and Flint. Yeah, Uh,
0: and remember next week we will talk with Mona Hanna-Attisha about her new book about the Flint water crisis. That's going to do it for me today. I will be back tomorrow. I hope you will too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. We'll see you tomorrow.